Welcome to episode 83 of the Setting the Edge podcast. I'm Justice Mosqueda. You can find me on Twitter at J-U-M-O-S-Q. I'm here with my co-host Charles McDonald. You can find him on Twitter at Forverts. Say what's up to the people, Chuck. What's up? What's up? We are uh, back. We missed last week. I don't really know why. I I honestly just forgot about the podcast in general last week. I was so busy. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if that, that's the same for Justice, but life happens. It gets in the way. But we're back with our week six picks. Yes, sir. As far as I know. Yep. I'm hoping. Yeah, I'm hoping it's week six because I'm I'm picking week <laughs> six. So. Uh, yeah, we just saw the the Eagles blow out the Giants on Thursday night. I only watched I watched the first half while I was out, and then I I missed the entire second half. And from from the box score, it looks like I didn't miss anything. Uh, no. Also, uh, we were supposed to record this yesterday. Charles just straight up fell asleep. He was like, let's record yeah. at the half. And then I texted him and he just off Twitter, off everything, hit me up in the morning. was like, I went to sleep at the half and woke up at 5 a.m. I know. I was going to try to take a, like a quick power nap, real quick power nap. But you know how that goes. Like, don't try to nap at 10, 15 or whatever time it was. And I woke up at like 5 a.m. was like, oh, fuck, I missed it. Uh, you didn't, you didn't but, miss anything, to be fair. The only thing that no, was interesting yeah. is Odell went uh, to the hat. Like, he went into the locker room early. Um, yeah, I saw that this morning, so I figured that was really the only thing I missed I needed to see. That's besides it. Saquon going berserk. Going berserk, and then I, I'm still, still losing by three scores in a historical game by a running back. Yep, it's almost like they don't really matter that much. Hmm. Uh, but let's move on, because the Giants don't deserve any of our time. Mm-hmm. So, week six... We got a whole new slate of games to pick. Let's just dive right in with the early games. Yeah, let's. I think the way that we should do it is we should do like team teams that we don't really care about first for the early slate. So let's just get these out of the way. Um, Indianapolis Colts at the New York Jets. The Jets are two point home favorites. Uh, I, I'll I'll roll with the Jets just because they're the home team. I mean, I, I'm not going to watch a second of that game. That that's my hope too. I don't think either of these teams are really competitive. Um, the Colts are interesting, right? Because it's just like you're sitting on fifty million dollars of cap space, and like if you were trying to tank, like in-game tanking, right? It would look something like um, what they've basically done in overtime so far this year. Which, hmm. yeah, yeah, two two pretty. I I guess I will categorize it as unnecessarily aggressive moves, <laughs> like especially. Yeah. Especially that one in the Texans game, like where you're right. Well, they were on their they're on their own side of the field. And they went they were on like their own thirty five, and then like the thing is still like you got to go another sixty yards to score a touchdown. You know what I mean? It wasn't like they were going for it, you know, to get into field goal range. They still had to drive a bit just to get into field goal range too. So, um, I I just don't think the Colts are really trying to win. Like they I I they shouldn't. You know what I mean? They don't have the roster constructed for it. Um, I'm their, <laughs> the funny their head coach is- and general manager have. You know what we assume to to be you know job security moving forward. So I guess there's really no point in winning this year. But I just don't trust that team right now. Yeah, uh, I was out on the Colts last week when they were on Thursday night against the Patriots, and I was like, "Who in the world is Andrew Luck throwing to?" And it's not even like I literally just didn't know who these guys were. Like I, I heard of Rogers and Grant, but beyond of that. I had no clue. There's someone named Pascal out there just dropping passes left and right. There was a oh, crap. I can't remember what team it was. It might have been Cleveland. The Willie's guy. There was some Willie's guy oh, who did. caught a ball, and I was like, I legitimately have no clue who you are. 
He actually broke his collarbone today. So. Oof, there nice. we go. Son of a bitch. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, we're moving on from that game. Um, mm, I guess there's only two what like are... stinkers in the morning. Uh, Buffalo Bills at Houston Texans. The Texans are 10-point uh, home favorites. I think the Texans, their only two wins have come in overtime. So it's not like this, yeah. we should be super confident in the Texans right now. Um, but they're still 10-point favorites against uh, the Bills. At his current pace relative to how the NFL is producing in terms of passing efficiency right now, if Josh Allen starts 15 games, he's going to have the worst season in NFL history in terms of how costly it has been for the team. Um, so that's probably playing into this, even though Buffalo has two wins. Kind of amazing, honestly, that they have two wins with the stats that their quarterbacks have been putting up. Um, what do you think about this one? Uh, Yeah, I mean... I don't trust the Texans to cover a 10-point line against any team. But at the same time, pretty much everyone is on the bandwagon now that, you know, if this holds, this is this Bills offense relative, like, to era is going to be the worst NFL offense we've ever seen. I mean, just <laughs> – we're so we're five weeks into the season, right? And just in terms of yards per play value, the, the, <laughs> the Bills are at minus 620 in terms mm. of expected yards, like yards per play. Arizona is 31st, and they're at minus 350. So even just... <laughs> yeah, buddy. Like, literally twice as bad as the next team in terms of how costly they are. Yeah, that's... Whew. Also, yeah, adjusting their yards per temp value, they're at minus 720. They usually, you know... So, so the way that the value thing works, it's like efficiency through volume. So the more reps you have, you know, theoretically, the worst you're going to be if you're already that far below average. So once you start getting to minus, you know, 1,000 plus, that's where you start to look at, okay, wow, this is like a seriously borderline all-time Historical, bad yeah. The Bills, Yeah, the Bills are already at minus 720 with 11 more games to go, which is, you know, really, really bad. Uh, but still, the Texans... Every game they've played has been close, so I don't really trust them to cover a 10-point spread. This could be like a little teaser thing where you tease the Texans down or even tease the Bills up to 16, but uh, I'm just straight up, I'm going to take the Bills plus 10. All righty. Um, so uh, I actually have the numbers. So I have defense-adjusted AYA value, right? So this is basically yards versus expectation relative to the defense-faced. Um, in NFL history, there have been four that have been minus 1,000 awards. 1999, Jake Plummer. 2001, Chris Winkie. 2016, Brock Osweiler. And then 1986, Jack Trudeau, who was also, he was like a third-round rookie. I don't know what happened there. Josh Allen's about, like, he's on pace for, like, minus 1,300, which, goodness gracious, that blow, like, that, like, laps them. You know what I mean? So, yeah. not a great spot for him. Um Let's go to semi-interesting games. Arizona Cardinals at Minnesota Vikings. The Vikings are 10.5-point home favorites. Your thoughts? Uh, I think, I think I'm going to take the Vikings just because they're at home, right? Yeah, it's in Minnesota. So, I don't know. Even though the defense has been underperforming this year, I still feel like this could be a nice bounce-back win just in terms of sheer talent. Because even last week in that uh, – the Cardinals 49ers game, it's not like the Cardinals played well at all uh, in their win. Uh, I think I think I Rosen is doing pretty well, but the rest of it, the, everyone else around him is not good. Right. Yeah. Yeah, but just just listen to this. So in terms of total yards last week, the Cardinals, they won 28 to 18. Total yards, the Cardinals had 220 total yards. 
the the 49ers had 447. They had 164 passing yards. And of that 220, 75 of them came on one play uh, to Christian Kirk. So I I don't really know how they won that game. Uh, I, I would guess it to be C.J. Beathard contemplating on himself a little bit, even though the Ross stats, he, he played pretty well. Uh, but I just don't know if, if even even with Rosen playing well, I just don't think the team around him is good enough to, to play with a team that is as talented as Minnesota. So I think I'm going to roll with them just, you know, off sheer talent. Um, have you seen the Hebrew Hammer celebration thing that they've been doing? I have not. It's pretty tight, honestly. Kind of jealous of it. What team? It's Rosen. Go oh, go God. on go on go on Twitter and Google Hebrew or go on Twitter and search uh, Hebrew Hammer and see see what shows up. Um, also, for the people who say that like passing stats aren't quarterback stats or team stats, uh, Rosen Bradford juxtaposition kind of doesn't really help you there. Um, passing stats are heavily influenced by quarterbacks, even if they aren't exact, in my opinion. Um, next game, Los Angeles Chargers at Cleveland Browns. The Chargers are one point dogs now. They were one point favorites at one point. Um, and by one point, I mean yesterday when I placed a bet on, uh, so fuck, damn. Um, Uh, yeah, (laughs) screwed the pooch on that one. Um, but yeah, this game's going to be fucking weird, dude. Yeah, it is. And I was about to ask you, are the Chargers home or away? But every single game is the way game for them, so it really don't matter. Uh, but wait, so you said the Browns are favored by one now? Yeah, they're one point home favorites, which is kind of interesting because if you look at, any sort of passing stats, right? There's basically five quarterbacks who are ahead of everyone else, and Philip Rivers is one of them. Um, and then Cleveland, you know, in terms of AY, NEA value, is second behind Baltimore right now on the defensive end. So we're getting like, right. this is a pretty big matchup. And it's actually, Chargers games have been kind of fun because there's basically, there. I think there's three quarterbacks who have better passing stats than Philip Rivers at this point. He's lost to two of them, right, in pretty tight games so far this year. And now he gets the number one or the number two defense in the league. Chargers are kind of fun, even if, like, their, you know, strength of schedule is kind of fucking them right now. Yeah, the Chargers are interesting, too, because this defense has taken a huge, like, they've fallen off tremendously uh, from last year. I don't know what happened to that secondary, but they just aren't playing that great right now. And, you know, the the, the stats on Baker Mayfield may not be, like, they don't replicate, like, how well he's actually playing. I think versus the, the Ravens last week, they had a handful of drop passes in the week before versus the Raiders. They had dropped. He, he has too, like so. one really bad pass a game, but other than that, I, th- I think he's a pretty fine quarterback, honestly. So, yeah, yeah, same. He's uh, doing really well for a rookie. I wrote about this in what the fuck was it, April? I wrote about it before the draft about how, like, really we've seen like five good rookie seasons. Like, when you put into the context of like what is expected of an NFL quarterback, we've seen like five good rookie seasons out of first round picks and like since the merger, which is basically, like, 50 years now. You know what I mean? So, like, for Baker yeah. to have average stats, that's a W, like, as far as anything is concerned. You draft a rookie quarterback to be efficient next year, not this year. You know what I mean? So, the fact that yeah. Baker is looking and, decent already is thumbs up. Yeah, I, I think this could be a game where he kind of breaks out a little bit just because the Chargers' defense has been struggling. Uh, but we're I, I think mainly the biggest intrigue in this game is going to be Rivers versus that Browns defense, which is mm-hmm. putting lights out right now. I mean that the pass defense is on fire. They're turning, they're getting turnovers at a pretty high clip right now. I think they're first in turnovers in the NFL, like first on a per play basis too. So 
Yeah, this, this defense is playing really well. And uh, I think I'm going to take the Browns at home just because I, I think that the way that Baker's playing, he should be able to have a pretty good game against the defense and against the Chargers defense. And uh, I, I just think, you know, Rivers, he's due for like one or two silly throws a game. And with the way the Browns have been capitalizing on these throws this year, uh, I'm going to roll with the Browns. I'm The one thing that I would want to bet on is if there's some sort of prop or it's like, longest reception by a running back. I want to bet the prop of this game. Because just hyper-aggressive Greg Williams, right, against the Chargers who, like, just want to feed their running backs passes in the passing game. Um, they're going to get one, like, 70-yarder off of that. You know what I mean? Like, that should just be assumed at this point. Yeah. Uh, but, I don't know. I just, I just still like the Browns to get this done. Whatever. All righty. Next game, the Chicago Bears at the Miami Dolphins. Guess Guess what this line is? This is offensive. I think I think we talked about it early. I think earlier in the week, the Bears were favored by three points. It's three and a half now. But yeah. Why? Trubisky's had one uh, decent game in 16 starts? Yeah. It's just funny because you know the whole thing. It's still excuse making. Oh, he's a rookie. He's a rookie. I know he had the six touchdowns last week, but. In the, in the, as Stu Gatz would say, do it again. Like, do it again. <laughs> and, <laughs> uh, and here comes the Dolphins. Also, yeah, who, Tampa's not he, a real team. Like, Tampa has, a, like, a legitimate Big 12 defense. Like, you can, your teams are throwing 10 yards a pass on Tampa. Right. Uh, so, I don't really know how much, like, too much stock to put into that. But the Dolphins, their secondary has been playing pretty well this year. Even, like, if you exclude that game. Versus the Patriots, uh, they played really well. And even including that game, what, they're seventh in adjusting the yards per attempt value, and this is without them having a real pass rush, too. So, yeah. uh, I don't know. So, like, Tan- still- Tannehill wasn't playing awful, you know? I'd take Tannehill over the first uh, three games of, of Trubisky. Yeah, I mean, the last two weeks, or I don't know if it was when they played the, Dol- the Patriots. Like, the Bengals game and the Patriots game were pretty much disasters for him. But outside of that, he's been solid, you know? But I I just feel like the Bears defense they have a pretty big like a, a pretty big advantage over the Dolphins offense. The, th- like, the thing though, right? So a three and a half point line on the road means nine and a half at home. So Chicago would be right. almost ten point favorites at home over Miami, and they're basically I don't know. I I do not have that strong of feelings about Chicago being that good to be totally honest. So neither do I. But I just feel like this front seven is just gonna beat up on the on Dolphins offensive line, especially with. Like, Tunsil has kind of turned into the player that we thought he was going to be. He just yeah. had to get away from that that Coke drip, all-line coach. <laughs> but uh, he, he's banged up this week, uh, and I just I, I just think the Bears' D-line is going to feast. And Tanhill doesn't really play well when, when things are chaotic. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to roll with the Bears maybe against better judgment, a minus 3.5, just solely because I, I expect their defense to get the job done. All righty, Carolina Panthers at Washington Redskins. Redskins just got their asses kicked on Monday Night Football. Um, Carolina is a one-point road dog here. So, Redskins short favorite, minus one. Uh, man, that Washington game was weird because it was so funny because going into it, they had, what, the top pass defense in the league, and I was like, okay, yeah. well, let's see how they do against Breeze, and then they got absolutely shredded. So, uh, Did you see the, the Josh Norman stat that PFF tweeted out the other day? I did not. I saw the the uh, the stats that Michael Thomas tweeted out. <laughs> or facts. Oh, we're, yeah, <laughs> we're the facts. It's like you, you're a zone corner and you cry on the sideline 
like, oh, yeah. shit. So, according to PFF, okay, okay, if you have to guess, let's do this. If you have to guess what Josh Norman's passer rating is in coverage this year, what would your guess be? Oh, goodness. I have no clue. Um, one, 124. He is allowing a 156.3 pass rating. That's coverage. a perfect, yeah. right? That's a perfect number. The per- perfect, perfect is 158.3. <laughs> so okay. he's, he's two, he's two points off from a perfect pass rating, which credit to Michael Thomas might be a reason as to why he got benched last week. I mean, if you watch the game, the, uh, the record setting touchdown that breeze had, I really legit do not know what coverage they ran. I mean, yeah. they had two guys open running 40 yards down the field. Josh Norman was in the flat playing Kamara, and they had the tight end open on the backside. It was kind of bizarre. So that Washington pass defense definitely not real. So I, I think that what I, I think that I'm going to take the Panthers to cover here. One because I like the job that North Turner has been doing, and two I just kind of expect Cam to bounce back from that game he had last week. So uh, instead of taking the Panthers whatever minus one or plus one, I'm just going to take the money line on them and. and because I think they're going to win. All righty. Um, next game, Pittsburgh Steelers, Cincinnati Bengals. The Bengals are one-and-a-half-point home favorites. Are the Steelers better than the Bengals? Because I'm not sure about that. No, uh, I, I don't think so. Just because the Bengals' defense is better. And I know the Steelers had a bounce-back game against the Falcons last week. But, I mean, the Steelers' defense did uh, had a bounce-back game against the Falcons last week. But... I don't know. That that Falcons team is just kind of in a funk right now. And even with that bounce-back game against the Falcons, like they're still in the bottom tier in terms of pass defense and just overall defense. They're below average. So, you know, Bill Lazor's done a great job with Andy Dalton and the Bengals' offense. Uh, Tyler Boyd, breakout star this year. So, I don't know. I, I just think the Bengals are probably a better team than the Steelers right now. And I would, I would take them straight up. Yeah, this is just kind of a weird line to me. If they made it minus three, I would not think about anything. You know what I mean? But minus one and a half kind of has me think of things. But I, I, I think I'll probably stay away from this one. I didn't make it one of my picks for Quant Edge this week. By the way, 16-9-1 in picks so far this year. Promo code Jumas. Go, go sign up for that. Yeah, I'm killing shit. Um, and, and, the, <laughs> and the losses that I've taken are just like the goofiest shits where it's just like Mason Crosby decides not to kick for a week. Atlanta turns the ball over three times inside the 15. Stuff I generally feel good about. The only pick I feel like that I've gotten smoked on was uh, I think I think I picked Cincinnati when Cincinnati played against Carolina, and Carolina just smoked them on the field. And I was like, oh, I burned that fucking ticket, you know, at the half or whatever it was. But other than that, I, I feel like I've been doing pretty solid this year. Um, Tampa Bay at Atlanta Falcons. I think this game's kind of fun because. Both of these teams are basically on the brink. We, you know, we talk about zero and two basically ends their year, but um, this is like one of these teams has to win, or like they're like less than one percent chance of making it to the playoffs at this point. Um, the Atlanta Falcons are three point home favorites. What do you think about this? Also, Jameis uh, starting this game. Uh, Tampa coming out of a bye. Yeah, Jameis is starting this game, so I don't really know what to do with this Bucks top five pass offense. I mean, I don't. I think almost everyone doesn't really believe in that. But on the flip side, past three games, Falcons have given up an incredible 40 points per game. So they gave up 41 to the Steelers, 43 to the Saints, and 37 to the Bengals, which is, I mean, 
laughably bad. The, like that's I feel like the, I feel like that's what a college defense would do. But the thing is, if you look at like their their efficiency numbers, their efficiency numbers haven't been that awful, um, especially relative to like the quarterbacks that they've been facing. So like when you look at their defenses, and I know the narrative coming into this right is probably going to be like, hey, this is going to be some crazy shootout. Neither team can really play defense; both can play offense, right? Which that's true. Um, the difference is. The levels that Tampa can't play defense greatly just outweigh the levels that Atlanta can't play defense. So, like, Tampa Bay's defense is, like, I think it's something like 50% more in terms of how costly they've been this uh, through, you know, four games in terms of, like, NEA value and stuff like that. So, it's just, like, yes, Atlanta is bad, but the difference between Atlanta and an average team is the difference between Tampa and Atlanta. You know what I mean? So this being a three-point right. line doesn't really that make that much sense to me when I think pretty clearly, like, their offenses are pretty close. Atlanta's defense is way better, in my opinion, at least, unless they figure something out coming after the bye. So this line doesn't make that much sense to me, honestly. Yeah, I think I would take the I think I would take the Falcons this week. Another weird thing, Devontae Freeman is out, and the Falcons, yeah. since Sarkeesian got there, have had a way better offense when Freeman's out. Like, I really don't know what the correlation here is, but – when Freeman is out, they average 19 points a game. I mean, when Freeman is in, they average 19 points a game. When he's out, they average 33.2 a game. And I really don't see why they couldn't eclipse 30-plus against his Bucks defense. Like, I think that should be pretty easy for him. And Trubisky uh, was throwing against there. So, like, you got Calvin Ridley right. who scores all these touchdowns and Julio Jones who gets a lot of yards, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still here for the 2K Julio season. Like, we, we hit a little speed bump last week because he didn't get that many yards, but – you know, we should get back on back on track this week for a 2,000-yard Julio season with no touchdowns. But, unfortunately, he did score two touchdowns against the Bucks last year at home. So, maybe this will break that streak. But, uh, yeah, uh, I'm going to take the Falcons minus three. And if you like points, you should definitely watch this game. Um, is this when we start? We, like, what's happening with Ito Smith there? Because Ito Smith looks he's like, he, yeah, he looks like he can play. He looks like he's getting the goal line touches, right, when Freeman's out. Yeah, even when he was in last week, he got a goal line touch and scored a touchdown against Pittsburgh. Yeah, I saw they they were like it was basically like a forty forty twenty split, right? Yeah, they're paying Freeman too. Don't pay running backs. I know, and it, it's it's funny because I think most Falcons fans are on the bandwagon like, ooh, that Freeman contract kind of sucks. Now that we can see, we know Tevin could play, and now we see Edo can play too. And also another interesting thing: when Freeman is out. Matt Ryan just turns into like this yellow ball, heave it down field quarterback, which is not a bad strategy when you have Calvin Ridley, Julio Jones, Muhammad Sanu, guys like that. Plus, Tevin, who can get open as well. Uh, it's just, it's just kind of dumb. Yeah. Uh, speaking of dumb, uh, Oakland Raiders, Seattle Seahawks in London. Um, did you know they're taking very different strategy? Like Oakland is basically not getting there till like Friday, I think. So they're basically getting off the plane and then being like, "Yeah, we're gonna play a pro football game in a <laughs> uh, after a sixteen-hour flight in like 10, 10 time zone changes." Like, oh my god, fucking John Groot. Someone, someone, someone in Raiders Twitter tweeted at me or tweeted at um our friend Ryan, and he was like, "Stop beating a dead horse on the Gruden thing. We're one thirtieth of the way through the Gruden era." What are you talking about being right. a dead horse? Like, buddy, there's so much more time. Oh, oh my god! Also, everyone should check out the uh, is Gron- is gone Drude- is John Gruden gone yet page or did Gruden get fired or something like that? And it has a ticker as to how much time is left 
on the Gruden era, which at this point is like nine years and a lot of a lot of time between that, like that nine and ten years split. And it shows you how much money Gruden has made since he's been on the site. And just seeing, looking at Gruden's quotes of how he's complaining about they don't have a pass rusher or saying that he's depressed about the season and looking at how much money he's making, like he'll make if you're on the site for a few minutes, he'll make like five or six dollars within that time, which is just outrageous. So, you know, the Gruden thing is not beaten to a dead horse yet. We're just getting started, baby. I, I just so I was looking up shotgun rates for some reason. I can't remember how this came up in one of our group chats, but we were talking about like split back split backs and how goofy like even early two thousands football looks like to us, right? And mm-hmm. uh, what was it? Football Outsiders had a post um, when Chip Kelly was basically running almost exclusively in the shotgun, right? And they had a post on like how shotgun stuff has changed by year. In 2006, when Gruden was a head coach for the Buccaneers, right? So he retired after 2008. That's basically the same era of football, right? The Buccaneers let, ran less than one half of 1% of their plays in shotgun. Like the, like the old Gruden played in the completely different era of football. Um, and it looks like it right now. He looks to- totally lost. You see how uh, Marshawn Lynch is used, right? And they basically run two offenses, a Lynch offense and then the Richard offense. Or Richard, I don't know how you say his name. Um, but ba- they basically run two different offenses. Like, it's just fucking chaotic very clearly. It's going to take them a couple years to get this thing figured out. But um, in the meantime... London, Seattle Seahawks, two and a half point favorites. What are you, what are your thoughts? Seahawks, I uh, I mean, I just think they're the better team. Russell Wilson was lights out last week uh, in the Rams defense, even though the Rams defense is probably underwhelmed considering what we thought they were going to be. Uh, they're still a lot better than the Raiders defense. So I I just don't see how, especially with the way Seattle, like their, their offensive line is playing a lot better this year than they were last year. Way better. Uh, Fluker, Fluker was like fucking rolling over Sue and shit. Yeah, he he pancaked Sue a couple times in that game. Like I've seen at least two clips where he got him on the ground and one was for a touchdown. Maybe the Giants are the problem. You know, yeah. <laughs> maybe the Giants. Are, maybe yeah. Maybe the maybe Eli makes offensive linemen worse. I don't know. Yeah, but it's funny because the Seahawks' offensive line, like in terms of tackle for loss percentage value, like they're above expectation. Uh, they're eleventh. I think with Russ, like you're always going to be a high sack percentage team, but that's fine because he, he makes a lot of plays like down the field. So uh, I'm just I'm just I'm just going to take the the Seahawks because they're a better team and like when you can block finally after years, that's going to open up things for you. Alrighty, now these are the afternoon games: um, Los Angeles Rams at Denver Broncos. Guess guess this line. Uh, I'm gonna say Los Angeles Rams at Broncos are the Rams favored by six, seven. That's a lot. Seven. That's a lot. So if yeah. this were in LA, it would be thirteen. I is that unfair though? <laughs> I don't know. the The Broncos suck. Um, basically, Keenum basically had the game that Trubisky had two weeks ago, right? Where he's looked completely awful up until you know this last game where he looked basically kind of average, um, but. I don't know. The, the big thing that worries me about the Rams is their defense and their cornerback specifically, right, with Aqib Tlaib out and then Marcus Peters just allowing everything. Yeah, Peters has clearly been playing hurt last week. I mean, he's I think he's given up five touchdowns in the past three weeks. Yeah. What well, like, you got to remember at the beginning when he got hurt, they were like, yeah, he's going to be out for probably a month. 
And then they're like, nope, yeah. he's playing on Thursday. And you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> he's playing on Thursday. What do you? How did this turn around so quickly? The only other time that I can remember something like that was Bulls. Remember when Bulls went down with a leg injury? And they're like, oh, fuck, man. That's, he's out for the year. And they're like, nope, he's practicing tomorrow. And then he just sucked for the rest of the season. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't get I, I don't get that. it because like you you would rather have them just out than playing and being a detriment to the team, but right? Yeah, you know, whatever. And cornerback, we we talk about this all the time about how cornerbacks are volatile and stuff, and like how coverage is really important. But the problem is coverage isn't really consistent, like year to year. If you lose a step, you're kind of fucked. And it seems like Marcus Peters is kind of in that situation. It's like when um remember when Pat Pete uh what was it his diabetes or whatever was kicking in. Yeah. And it was just like he very clearly wasn't the same type of athlete, and he was kind of a marked man for the entire year until he got that situation figured out. And I don't really see how that's totally different than what Peters is going through right now, where it's just his body is limited to him, and that's not really a position where your body can be any sort of limitation or you become Ken Crawley in New Orleans and people are just dunking on you literally every single play. Yeah. I'm going to take the the Rams because I I don't really see how – I don't see I don't see how Broncos can stop this offense. I mean, this offense no. is rolling right now. They're pretty much by far the best offense in the league. The, the Rams the Rams at the end of the game against the Seahawks, they were out both Cup and Cook and they were still just driving mm-hmm. like confident offensive football without their receivers. So, I don't I don't know how you stop these guys. Yeah. I uh, I'm going yeah, I'm going to take the Rams. I I think they like they could easily be able to put up 30 on this team. Alrighty. Um Another afternoon game, Jacksonville Jaguars at the Dallas Cowboys. The Jaguars are three-point road favorites. Blake Bortles against Dak Prescott. There's not going to be a lot of passing offense in this. Your thoughts? How are the Cowboys going to move the ball? Um, Yeah, I guess if you're Jacksonville, what do you do? Do you just sell out on stopping Zeke? Just like no no big Zeke plays. Yeah, sure. Like we'll just we'll, – like we'll, we'll play cover one and we'll load up the box and – Okay, Terrence Williams and Michael Gallup, go get open against Boye and Ramsey. Like, then I think you could win a game easily that way. Yeah. If you're Dallas, dude, you have to get Zeke figured out in this passing game somehow. Because that stat, that ne- the next-gen stat thing where it was like the chart of all of the Zeke receptions that he's made in his NFL career and how he's made one reception beyond five yards in three seasons. You know, not yeah. three full seasons, but two, two seasons and a quarter. Dude, come on. Like, he's very clearly your best skill player. you got to get involved somehow. Have him run down the seam. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not that and hard. It's, and it's not to say that Zeke hasn't had plays where he's gotten more than, than five yards. It's just that they aren't targeting really more than five yards. Right. It's all field. it's all screen. They basically run screens and, like, stand over the center. You know what I mean? Stuff like that. So, I don't know. Yeah. So, you're taking Jacksonville yeah, here? That- minus three? Yeah, I, I don't really think we need to talk about the Jaguars' offense versus their defense because I'm not talking about Blake Bortles, and it looks like Fournette's going to be out again too. So I don't know. I, I don't. Jacksonville's offense is not playing well right now, but their defense, I think, is going to be more than enough to get this thing done. Yeah, um, I because our Jacksonville friends brought it up, I checked um, basically how they can get out of the Bortles contract next year. And outside of basically trading him in a way, kind of a similar way that, like, Brock Osweiler was traded, um, I can't really see Blake Bortles not starting next year. Um, just because his, yeah, cap, his cap hit is just so much, and you can't really re- rework it the way 
other teams reward contracts, right? Because most most restructures isn't, hey, take less money, right? It's hey, we're leveraging guaranteed money in the future so that you're gonna be you have a lower cap hit now, but you're guaranteed two years of salary, and that's not what you want to do with Bortles, right? You kind of want to rip the bandaid off. So outside of trading him away and trading his guaranteed salary away, probably with the draft pick, I really don't know what you can do. Yeah, he's uh he he's gonna take up ten percent of their cap next year. And this is a team that is projected to have negative cap for next year too. So it's crazy like how, how fast those windows close and I feel for my Jackson. Well there's certain buddies. teams like new like Philadelphia, what they do? They just restructured Fletcher Cox's contract or whatever. And they're like, Yeah, 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 we'll just give it to you give that to you in the future. So you can do stuff like that, but the issue that Philly's going to run into is if some of these guys start getting hurt in about two years, that window is going to be like not not shut, right? Like clamped down like with locks on it. You know what I mean? Like it's just not going to be open at all by the time when signs is set a contract. But if you have like, I guess it comes to a question now of like Philadelphia is basically banking on like we want to basically throw all this money around, get all this talent while Wentz is you know, under his rookie contract, then one year when he is on his second contract, we're just going to be really fucking awful, and then we're rebooting the franchise, right? And I wonder if that's a sustainable thing at the NFL moving forward, because they're really the only team that's doing it. Yep. Uh, R.I.P. Jacksonville. I don't know. They, they were so fun last year, and I, I don't know. I, I think we're going to be really i think people might be a little surprised at how quickly that thing falls apart in the next year or so so i'm still taking them to win the south though i'm still taking them to win the south i don't care um last afternoon game baltimore ravens at tennessee titans the the ravens are two and a half point road favorites this opened up at one um i got it at one thank god so what do you think about this one the ravens are, are the ravens favorite here yeah two and a half uh, yeah, I'm going to take them. How is Tennessee going to move the ball? Yeah. They have a, a comically atrocious offense. Uh, you can't say that on like, Twitter.com. If you say that on Twitter.com, all five Titans fans will come at you and be like, Marcus Mariota hasn't been awful for the past two years. Uh, I, I mean, outside of that that Eagles game, he was he was pretty good in that one. But, damn, last week versus the Bills, he was a disaster. Uh, and, like, when you're, you're putting up passing stats that, like, on a per throw – Bases are comparable to Josh Allen in the same game, and that's a game where Allen threw for 82 yards and in an interception. It's not looking great for you. And like the Ravens, they have a they have a pretty dominant defense right now. Uh, I know they lost in overtime last week, but I really I wouldn't really put that one on the defense too much. You got down to the legit end of overtime and gave up a game-winning drive. Like that's I don't know. It it it, it just kind of happens in close games, but. I, I just don't really see how Tennessee is going to move the ball. I know their defense is playing, you know, pretty decently, but that offense is is so so bad. So uh, yeah. I, I I don't I don't I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> if they got if they got blanked and scored zero. <coughs> Goddamn! I don't yeah, know what's wrong wow. with me. Um, but I do think oh I got something in my throat. Goddamn! <laughs> <clears throat> I'm dying. <clears throat> <laughs> Am I gonna be okay? Am I, is this forever now? Um, goddamn, my do, does my voice still sound weird? It we're, sounds fine. We're leaving this. You're in. just coughing. Yeah, I don't know. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I think Baltimore has the offensive advantage and defensive advantage here. I think a lot of people are kind of overhyping Tennessee just because of what their record was. Um, but 
you look at any of their stats or anything, just watch them play, right? Um, they have a passing yeah. problem. Their defense is good, but not good enough to just completely take over games. Baltimore's is, and their offense isn't, you know, a liability, at least to the extent that, like, Tennessee's is. So I think they're a pretty safe bet here. Yeah, it, it's like Baltimore has a slightly below-average offense and an elite defense. Tennessee has a, a horrible offense and, like, a slightly above-average defense. So, uh, yeah, pretty easy bet for me. Yeah. Kansas City Chiefs at New England Patriots is the Sunday night game. The Patriots are three and a half point home favorites. Oh, this is this one was hard, but I think I'm gonna roll with the Patriots. I I don't really feel confident either way. Uh, but man, like if there was a team to figure not figure this thing out, but at least slow it down a little bit, I think it's the Patriots, and they also have. They have the right pieces on offense, I feel like, to, to, to keep Kansas City off the field. Their offensive line is rolling right now. Like In terms of run blocking, they're fantastic. Pass protection, they're fantastic. Like That trade for Trent Brown uh, and sliding him over the left tackle has worked out pretty well for them, and you're paying him like next to nothing, and that's much better than paying Nate Solder, what, $16 million a year or whatever. Bro, yeah. Oh my terrible, God. terrible. The, the good, the good thing is the Giants let a hundred million dollars of offensive linemen walk in the offseason The same way, the same time that they they uh, exchanged him for basically Nate Solder. So, good job. Yay! Yeah, uh, I, 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 I just don't think the the Patriots will have any problem getting points against the Chiefs. I mean, they're the Chiefs are what the, I think the second worst team in terms of defending tight ends. Like they're averaging almost ten yards per target to a tight end. You gotta remember, Jay he's yeah. about to be out too, for Kansas City. So like, oh yeah, yeah. Justin Houston. For those who don't know what that is, he's but def- I think defensive he's... player of the year. People should know who Jay Hughes is. Um, yeah, that's not the same Jay Hugh though, because they keep dropping his ass back into coverage. But yeah, I I agree. But I don't know. Uh, the Chiefs' defense has looked semi competent the past couple weeks, but I expect that to come back down to earth. Is basically what I was trying to say. Yeah, and just in terms of like. Yards per carry, yards per rush value, and expected points versus run. Chiefs are way, way worse than everybody else. Like they're they're giving up almost six yards per carry right now, which is, you know, that's pretty like that's like almost embarrassingly bad. So now you have a team with an elite offensive line and Sony Michelle starting to figure this thing out over the past couple of weeks. I don't. Know, I, I feel like the the Pats could play keep away in this one. I'm not sure their their defense would will be able to like legitimately slow down the Chiefs, but I, I do think if there's any team that has a chance, it, it might be this one. So I, I'm, I'm going to take with the Patriots minus three and a half just because I think when you look at them and how they're starting to incorporate Josh Gordon in the offense and Josh Gordon even said today, like I feel super duper comfortable with the with the uh, playbook and I'm comfortable now. This, this just kind of feels like the Patriots are getting things right and this is where they start to get on a roll in the season. So I, not that not I don't have really too much numbers to back this, but I'm gonna roll with the Patriots. Alrighty, um, game of the week, Monday Night Football, C.J. Beathard at Mike McCarthy. The Packers are nine and a half point favorites. What what are your thoughts? Here? Oof. Not that I would put money on C.J. Beathard, but but no, I'm not gonna do that. I'm gonna take the Patriots <laughs> nine and a half. I. I mean, what are you supposed to be afraid of with this 49ers team? Nothing. Their, their, their pass defense is bad. You know, it's so funny because everyone's throwing around this Richard Sermon stat where, 
oh, you know, he's only he's only giving up like what two catches this year. But the thing is, no one's throwing at him because the other guys are so bad that you don't need to throw at Richard Sherman. Like, they're still bottom five in pass defense. They have a bottom five pass rush. Uh, they give up a lot of points. They don't turn the ball over. I like This defense is not taking the step forward that uh, some people thought it would. And the offense has just kind of fallen off a cliff this year. So this is a bad 49ers team against an average Packers team. So I'm going to take the Packers, mainly because even with – Rodgers and McCarthy feuding, they should be able to light this 49ers defense up. Yeah, and they're about to go into a bye, and they've been off a couple close losses. You know, you can't really be playing six, week of, six weeks of football and come out with two wins, right? That just can't be acceptable. If you have Aaron Rodgers at quarterback, you're going to get your ass fired. So this is definitely a spot where it's like all eyes focused. We need to run up the fucking score and get to the bye and make sure people stop talking about us type of thing. So if, if San Francisco does win, what, it has to be death by George Kittle? Yeah, <laughs> Kittle, Kittle is good, man. Like, no, he's good. I, I agree. Yeah, he he's he's turning into like one of the better all around tight ends in the league. But uh, he's a tight end, so he, he, like, he, you're not going to bet on him to, to change the, the swing that much. And it's not like the Packers have like a bad pass defense or anything. Like they're yeah, they're okay. in the top ten. So I don't know, the top it, ten, but like five matter. But yeah, I agree. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> like you know, not not that many matter, but you know, for what it's worth, in the top ten, uh, and they, they can they can rush the passer a bit too. And the Packers, matters. I mean, they have. Okay. What Packers are you watching? Okay, okay, okay. That number is inflated by the eleventh of the seven sack game against Josh. Oh, Allen. Josh. Yeah, that doesn't count because Josh Allen. Josh Allen legitimately turned around <laughs> into the face of a defender on one of those sacks. So it's like, yeah, that Josh Allen isn't Josh Allen isn't real. I'm very much of a, a proponent of like, from like a, any so very nerdy talk, right? From a team perspective, I think NEA has more value, right? Because like yeah. sacks do matter and stuff. Like that decides games. Um, sack fumbles are huge, and we really don't account into them at all. So like even just including just sacks and sack yardage, I think is really important. Um, but from a quarterback perspective, I think AYA is better because I don't know how many sacks are really the quarterback's fault. Um, there are many times where I've watched Josh Allen take a sack and been like, that is on him. So I think he's kind of an asterisk, you know, outlier in, in terms of that. Yeah, but it, it, like you said, that that still counts like as a whole team. So like when you look at the stats for the Bills and you see oh my god they're in terms of expected sacks they're way bottom in there at minus 11 with 11 games to go <laughs> yeah so where it's like they're yeah so yeah I, I, th- I think sacks against Buffalo are actionable especially with you know Josh Allen so I, I think yeah. at some point you have to kind of like correct for that a little. all of this is kind of mute though because the, the 49ers they can't block to save a soul right now so mm-hmm. like they're 28th in sack percentage 29th in tackle for loss percentage and they're about what minus eleven in terms of plays that end in the backfield if you add sack and tackle for loss percentage value. So, oof, it's uh, I would suggest you you know don't start off your Monday by going to work and being upset and then coming home and watching the Packers 49ers game. Like just find something else to do. Or if you want, you can flip it to when the Packers on our offense and then you can go back and see if it either comes out. That's how I would recommend kind of navigating this one we're, we're taking shots for every slant flat that uh mike mccarthy calls so all right well uh have nine on one ready to go all righty uh, uh that's our week that's our week bud yeah uh yeah you know the drill five stars all that jazz on itunes uh keep it coming we've enjoyed the support and it's really funny when you guys tweeted us when we are late on an episode which we will 
inevitably get as we're late on this one. So see you guys next week. Adios. Thanks for the support. Perfect. Oh, yeah. That's something I should do.